Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. Excited for this edition because we are going to be talking a lot of ECU baseball. And to help me do that, we're welcoming back an old friend, an old pal, fresh off uh, the Carolina Hurricanes victory last night in PNC Arena. He is Jonathan Wagner. He's with On3 Sports, former Hoist the Colors intern. I don't know if he strategically placed that Canes flag in the background, but it is in the background of a shot. Uh, Jonathan, first off, congrats on the, the 2-0 series lead as I get a text message. Um, uh, welcome back into the uh, to the program. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back. Um, I'm pumped about the Canes. You really couldn't ask for a better start. Um, not to go on a Canes tangent, but, you know, I don't even think they're playing all that great right now. I just think they're just that much better than Boston. It's been a fun physical series. I love playoff hockey. That's probably my four, my favorite sports time period, just in general, any sport. Playoff hockey to me is number one. It's been fun. And my voice is recovered from last night, at least for the most part. So it was fun, but I'm glad to talk some ECU baseball now as we get into the end of it. Yeah, I didn't want to get you back on the podcast, Jonathan, until ECU was back and until they were winning baseball games again. I, I don't know if we're – I know I'm not fully ready to, uh, to to say that East Carolina baseball is back. I don't know if you want to give your, your annual statement that ECU is back, but uh, are you teetering? Are you getting closer to that point? Yeah, I'm definitely getting closer. I'm with you. I'm not quite ready to say ECU is back, but, I mean – I honestly completely forgot about, you know, that's kind of my bit. But I should have just, the second you introduced me, I should have just said ECU is back and left it there because, you know, enough said. But, you know, we're getting there. They're playing better. You know, after the UCF series, I think we were texting and I brought it up and I'm like, is ECU back? You know, it might be time. But, you know, I mean, I'm happy with what I've seen lately, but there's a there's still a lot of baseball to be played over the past, the next three weeks. So, We'll see. Not not fully back, but I feel a lot better than I did a month ago. Yeah, certainly come a long way. And, th- and this team still has some deficiencies, which we'll get into. Uh, we'll talk about the – I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie and say we're going to break down Memphis. Like, I have not looked at Memphis at all other than their, their uh, like, pitching ERA and team numbers. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm going to give you everything you need to know about East Carolina Memphis baseball. Um, to be quite honest, uh, people would probably turn off the podcast if I started doing that. So, 
Um, but we are going to do is we are going to talk about the different scenarios as far as ECU trying to win a conference championship and most importantly trying to get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament. We will talk about that in terms of what we think ECU needs to do. Again, they sit 27-18 and 18 right now with a number 52 RPI. So they are very much on the bubble. You could argue even the wrong side of the bubble as it stands today. But let's focus first on the, the conference championship race, Jonathan, because this, as it stands right now, is essentially a three-team, I guess four-team race because you got to include Tulane in there even though they're two games back. But East Carolina leads the way with an 11-4 record. Houston and UCF tied for second at 10-5. Tulane at 9-6. Tulane has the head-to-head over ECU, but there's only nine games remaining, and they have to make up two games along with passing the other teams on the list to to really make that head-to-head come into consideration. So we'll kind of break down what each team has remaining in a little bit, Jonathan, but as you see – these four teams kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Just your thoughts on how this this championship race might go down the stretch. Um, it's, I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't say anything before, you know, you look at the ECU Houston series at the end of the year. I mean, that's obviously going to be big, but you know, UCF, they're they're a good team, they're a scrappy team, and they're right there, they're game back, and I mean, I, I think it was big to sweep Cincinnati this weekend, obviously. You know, coming into it, if you go two and one, then you still have Cincinnati there with maybe eight and seven, and they'd be two games back as well. So, and we'd be in a three-way tie for with Houston and UCF if you just take two against Cincinnati. So, I think just sweeping that was big in itself. But I mean, it's big. There's, it's like it's not like last year. You ECU ran away with it. There were no problems. You, you knew by this point of the year, you know, ECU was going to win the American but I mean now it could go any any four ways and I wouldn't really be surprised so but you know this is a time of the baseball you have to win especially if you want to make it to the postseason this is a time of the year you have to win and you have to carry that momentum into the conference tournament but I'm really excited to watch not just ECU but the American as a whole over the next couple weeks all right so let's go through each one of these teams and I don't know if we want to pull a Butner Pirate and project what each team is going to do. Uh, but, hell, let's do it. Let's do it. Butner Pirate, right. Hoist the Colors member, did it. Let's focus on conference games only. Pirates, again, 11-4. and We'll start with them. ECU has a three-game series at Memphis. Then they host South Florida for three. And then they host Houston for three. So... I've got ECU, maybe this is bold, but I've got ECU going seven and two in these nine conference games. Is that am I am I uh am I being too positive or too optimistic there? It's I don't think you can say you are because I mean if you look at Memphis, ECU should sweep with and again, I don't I don't know all that much about Memphis, but knowing what I knew last year and just just looking at it, you know, ECU should sweep comfortably, I think. And you know, South Florida, ideally you sweep that one too. But South Florida, they're they're another team. I think they're better than their record showed. They turn it on at the end of the year. We saw that last year. 
So I don't think you can just say, even though it's at home, you know, ECU is going to take all three, you know, we're good. You can't just say it all comes down to Houston because if you do, you're not going to be South Florida. And I think winning that series against Houston is not a given. I, it's just every time I get excited about this team and I think, okay, they're going to go on a run, they're going to win eight in a row, and they're going to really lock it in. You know, every time I say ECU is back, they they just they just go through and, you know, they have a little bit of a setback. You know, whether it's an injury, we've seen a couple of those, or just a kind of a dud. So, I don't know. I think seven and two is it's it's fair. Personally, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six and three. Be on the safe side. And yeah, I, I genuinely don't know. I think that Houston series is big. I could see ECU losing that series. South Florida, I think, is gonna steal one. So we'll see. Six and three, I think, could get it done. And we'll talk about the rest of the teams here in a minute. But I. I think they almost need to go, which we'll talk about this in that large bit. I think they need to go at least 7-2 and two in conference to really feel good about their RPI because the rest of the league is so bad in the RPI. Don't get me started. Um, Memphis, by the way, I think sitting at 198. So, like, winning these series is, is almost going to hurt your RPI unless you sweep them. So, again, we'll talk about that more in a second. I want to focus on one thing at a time, and right now we're talking conference. And the toughest thing, we, you know, this ECU team, like if this if this Pirate team is rolling out, Gavin Williams, Carson Wisenhunt, Tyler Smith, like last year's rotation, I would fully expect them to sweep uh, Memphis and have a chance to sweep South Florida. But it's like with this pitching staff the way it is right now, you can't take any game for granted. All it takes is one poor start and you, you lose a game in the series. So, like, it's just very hard to predict a sweep. I am predicting a sweep because I have ECU sweeping either Memphis or South Florida and winning two out of three against Houston. But um, seven and two, I say it and I don't feel good about it. I think six and three is probably the more fair assumption, and so we're gonna we're gonna go with six and three. We'll agree on that. So we'll uh, we'll say ECU goes six and three in the final nine. All right, let's move on here to Houston. And the, the Cougars have a uh, a tough stretch. They go to Wichita State, which is down. But still, I don't think it's easy to go to Wichita and sweep. Then they play UCF at home for three, and then they go to ECU. So they probably have the toughest uh, final schedule. I guess UCF clearly has to play Houston, too, so that makes it tough. But I think for sure Houston's got the toughest road here. Um, I honestly like ECU's chances of winning that series at home. I know that you you know it'll be a pretty evenly matched series. But uh, how do you see the Cougars finishing up here? I, I I do think it's a tough schedule. That UCF series is – there's going to be a lot of eyes on that series. But, you know, I even look at the Wichita State weekend series for them this weekend, and I look back just looking at their schedule, and they lost the opening – Wichita State won the opening game 4 nothing, And then the other two, Houston won, but they were close. They were 5-3 and 4-3. So, you know, obviously that was – over a month ago and things are different now, but I think even Wichita state, you know, clearly they match up well against Houston, but yeah, it's tough. I think against ECU in the end, I, I said it earlier, but that's going to be big, but it also really depends on what happens over the next two weekends. So uh, I don't know if I want to give a, you know, doing your math in your head. Yeah. You know, I think five and four. I'm feeling five and four as well. 
I think they okay. – to me, I think they win the series at Wichita and against UCF but lose one apiece and then lose the series at ECU, which would put them at five and four. And that would also put them two games behind ECU, which we have going six and three. And essentially it would make – let's say they go – if ECU goes five and one over the next two weekends – uh, or at least four and two, and Houston goes at least four and two, then there'll be only one game out coming into that ECU series, which would make the series for the conference championship. So, um, a lot for each team to play for. All right, so let's continue to run through these scenarios. That would put ECU two games ahead of Houston if it plays out like that. All right, now we're on to UCF, which finishes up at South Florida, at Houston, and then Cincinnati at home. Uh, so, outside of the Houston series, a pretty favorable final stretch, although we know South Florida is a rival. UCF did sweep them the first time around. They'll probably be looking to play spoiler. Cincinnati can hit the baseball. They just can't pitch, um, which is very similar to UCF in some some ways, especially with some of their pitching injuries. I have this UCF team, personally, Jonathan, losing one to USF, losing two to Houston, and then winning two or three against Cincinnati, which would put them at five and four, I believe. Okay. I personally, I think, I think UCF is going to sweep one of Cincinnati or South Florida, go two and three in the other. So that puts them at five. And then I haven't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, part of me wants to say they get swept by Houston, but part of me thinks that UCF is, you know, UCF is obviously a good team too. So I'll say they take one against Houston, and that puts them at six and three in the final nine. So really close, really tight. Yeah, if they go six and three in the final nine, that would put them one game behind ECU, which we also have going six and three. But of course, it wouldn't even matter if they tied because ECU would have the tiebreaker. Even though I think the Americans still award some BS partial championship if both teams finish with the same record, although ECU would finish on top. So. That's something to consider as we move to Tulane, which to me by far has the easiest final stretch. And this was, this was key for me why UCF needed to beat Tulane at least two out of three for East Carolina's championship hopes because not only has Tulane beaten ECU head-to-head, but they also finished now with Cincinnati at home, at Wichita State, and Memphis at home. I mean, really three sweepable series now. I mean, it's it's unfair to expect them to win nine conference games in a row. Uh, but I would not put – I think seven and two here is a, is a very fair expectation, and I would not rule out eight and one. I'm with you there. I think uh, – I th- obviously, I think they sweep Memphis at the end of the year. Wichita, I mean – and I think it's also important to note, in between that Wichita State and Memphis series, they, they don't have a midweek game. So they have that whole week off to just kind of rest, relax, and gear up for Memphis. So I see them sweeping Memphis. And Cincinnati, I, gosh, I don't know. I think they I, – I really think 8-1 was possible, but I think I'm more comfortable going to 7-2 just since, like you said, it is hard to win games at this time of the year. And, you know, we've talked about Wichita State. They can, they're capable of stealing one. Cincinnati is capable of out hitting anybody. So uh, I'll, I'll go seven and two. But like you said, eight and one is, it's not out of the question at all. Yeah, seven and two. I mean, that, I think that's the probably the fairest expectation. But I mean, eight and one, 
can be done. So uh, if they end up getting, if they end up going seven and two, uh, that would put them one game behind East Carolina, which we have going six and three because the Pirates, of course, have a two-game lead right now in the division or in the conference. So uh, that would give ECU the regular season title, and I think six and three is a fair expectation for ECU down the stretch, but I think they could even finish better than that um, as far as in-conference play. And we'll talk about how that relates to the at-large bid. But first off, John, I want to get your take on, all right, regular season title. Everybody looks at this as a down year for ECU, and it is a down year for the conference. According to warrennolan.com, right now the conference RPI rankings they have East Carolina, or they have the American Athletic Conference ranking ninth, which is not very good. Uh, that is behind the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, Missouri Valley, Sun Belt, Conference USA, and the Big Ten. So eight conferences are rated higher in the RPI, primarily because A, ECU is down, and B, teams like Wichita State, Memphis, Cincinnati, and UCF, quite honestly, are not helping the league with their crappy RPIs. So every time ECU, Tulane, Houston play those teams, they're being uh, they're being penalized. So but my, my point of all this, Jonathan, is there's a regular season championship in the American Athletic Conference, which historically holds a lot of weight. Does that overcome, or do you think that overcomes a – lackluster RPI, let's say ECU finishes in the 50s in the RPI but has a regular season title, or does ECU still have cause for concern if they head into the, the, the conference tournament with an RPI in the 50s? I I definitely think there's, you know, obviously if this is last year, we're, we're not having this conversation. But, you know, now I, I don't think you can be confident unless – unless you, you win the conference tournament. So to me, I still have a lot of calls of concern if you go in, even with the regular season championship. I think it would be a nice statement just for ECU itself to say, you know, yeah, the conference might be down. Yeah, we might be down, but we're still the best in this conference. I think I think that would be big just for ECU alone, you know, not even considering the tournament hopes or whatever. But so, I mean, I, I, I just don't see it if – they have a regular season conference championship and obviously it depends on how the final weeks shake out and the final numbers. But I don't think you can be have any sort of confidence that ECU is going to be in the field just because they win the regular season championship. Just because like you said, they're the RPI is it's so bad. It's so down there in comparison to granted. I haven't looked a whole lot at the other teams on the bubble, but the little I have, you know, it, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough. And I think, a, you know, the RPI, the conference, it's going to bring ECU down a little bit. But at the same time, I think baseball is the one sport where ECU's name is big enough. If you're if you're on the bubble, you might get that edge. But it's just – it's too close for comfort. And I'm personally not confident unless you obviously win the conference tournament and you earn the auto bid. Yeah, I think if ECU, I think ECU has to win the conference tournament and have an RPI in the top forty-five. <sighs> wait, wait, did I say win the conference tournament? I meant win the regular season. If I said conference tournament, yeah, win the win the regular <laughs> season and have an RPI in the top forty-five. Obviously, if you win the conference tournament, it doesn't matter what your RPI is. My dogs are distracting me; they're starting to act like somebody's in the house. So there, <laughs> there might be somebody in the house. If I die, uh, at least you'll know that I went out talking to ECU baseball. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, so I'm looking at warnolan.com and the real lack of, of, of things that I see on ECU's resume is what's most concerning. This team just doesn't have like a quality series win. You can point to the, and I don't want to say quality, let's say a statement series win. Because I think the sweep at UCF is a quality series win. I think the, the series win over VCU is a quality series win. Both those are top 100 RPI teams. So, like, those are quality series wins. But you don't have that statement series win that you can hang your hat on. Like, if you went and you took two out of three against North Carolina, that's a statement series win. If you took the two midweek games against NC State, if you took the midweek game against Virginia Tech, unfortunately, ECU missed all those opportunities. Uh, Tulane was another chance for kind of a, a more of a statement. Charleston looks like an NCAA team. That was a series loss. So I guess the good news is you haven't had any real bad series losses except for <clears throat> Bryant, uh, which, <laughs> by the way, is killing ECU's RPI right now. If you didn't have that series, you'd probably be at like 35. But regardless, what's done is done. Um, and Maryland and the one win over North Carolina are your only top 50 wins. So like you just don't have – the greatest resume, and that concerns me. So, like, I don't know even with ECU's big name if that can be overlooked with the conference being so down. But, um, anyways, the point is, I looked at Boyd's World RPI needs report, and for East Carolina, according to their metrics, with 11 games remaining to finish with a top 45 RPI, is they need to go. Honestly, they need to go either nine and two or ten and one. And 10-1 and one would be sweeping Memphis on the road and then winning seven of the eight home games. Or with the nine wins, eight home wins, and one road win. I don't really understand this math, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> either way, ECU's got to finish nine and two or better is what Boyd's World is saying. And that is very little margin for error for East Carolina. So 11 games left, nine and two or better. With this pitching staff, I don't know if you can count on that. So, how, you know, is that a, you know, it just would be a real shame, Jonathan. What I'm trying to say is if this team, let's say they go eight and three and they win a conference championship, play better down the stretch, and then fall through in the tournament and then are left out, which I guess seems like a potential possibility right now, despite ECU's uh, potential of winning the regular season title. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think I saw earlier today the latest D1 baseball field of the field project, projection. I think ECU is a three seed and surprised they were in a Louisville regional. So, you know, you know, a little flashback there. But, I mean, I mean, you mentioned the pitching staff, and I think that's really important. And right now with, you know, Ryder, Ryder Dryles hasn't looked his best self as he did earlier in the year the past couple of weekends. You look at um, – you know, obviously, Jay Kuchmaner, he's been, you know, not pitching the past couple of weekends. And we, we don't really know, you know, his status right now. You know, will he pitch this week? And we don't know. So, and I think that's important, too, because when you consider, you know, the past couple of weeks, um, when we've had midweeks, it's been C.J. Mayhew getting the ball at the start on those Tuesday games. And the past two weekends, C.J. Mayhew started on Saturday. So, he's, he's not going to do both. Granted, he hasn't gone – overly deep in the games on in those midweek games. So in the end, it's going to be a bullpen day no matter what, but the pitching staff, that's the biggest area of concern clearly. And that's, that's the one reason I just don't know 
if ECU has what it takes to finish at the level they need to finish at. And then once you get into the conference tournament that, you know, that's a real grind. And I just really, that, that concerns me. That concerns me moving forward. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but that's, that's something you can't overlook. And those two midweek games against Duke and Campbell, I think are big. Yeah. Those are your highest RPI games remaining. I mean, this what makes it tough. You, you have to find a way to win at least, at least split those games. I think, to keep your RPI where it is. And if you lose one game to Memphis or South Florida, it's just going to kill your RPI. So thanks league. Thanks South Florida for being in a, a hotbed of baseball talent and still having a shitty team every single year. I know you got lucky and made the tournament last year. Uh, but yeah, apparently my zoom is running out of time and I have to upgrade now to, (laughs) to remove the 40 minute time limit. Is that a real thing? Zoom? What are we doing? (laughs) I have to now, I mean, gosh, are they charging me for not, uh, uh, all right, I'm about to go on a uh, tangent here. Let's take a quick break, Jonathan. I got got to let my dogs out. They're annoying me, and uh, they just started barking earlier, so uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to wrap up the show before my time limit runs out. Maybe it's Jonathan's time limit. I don't know, but we'll be right back. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back into the Hoisted Colors podcast. I am flustered. My dogs were barking. I've got a time ticker that now says I have eight minutes left to talk to Jonathan. I don't know if my computer is going to explode. Now I'm getting text messages and my phone or my computer is dinging. There's so much going on. I'm just trying to talk ECU baseball, but so many distractions. All right, Jonathan, let's lock back in here. Be where your feet are as Cliff Goblin would say. Um, Big series this weekend at Memphis. I can say latest intel I'm getting is that Jake Kuchmaner likely will not pitch for ECU this weekend. Again, I have not confirmed that. That's just intel I'm getting. And if that's the case, the Pirates are going to have to bring the bats and probably get another good good appearance from Carter Spivey, Garrett Saylor, C.J. Mayhew, Benter Williger has been big lately. So, you know, if this team wants to stay in first place, I think they need to, you know, I don't want to say they need to sweep, but they obviously have to win the series. Um, you know, what's it going to take this weekend at Memphis? Uh, I think a, a subpar opponent, but just looking at their numbers, they got a few guys who can hit, and they actually have a pretty good Friday night starter. So your keys to victory this weekend if the Pirates want to sweep. Well, you mentioned a Friday night starter, and I think Friday night is the key. I think – especially when you look at the past couple of weekends, you know, like I said earlier, you know, Ryder 
Giles hasn't had his best stuff. He hasn't commanded as well, but he's also said, you know, afterwards, he, he knows that. He understands that he just hasn't been his best stuff. He just If he can get back into strike zone, throw strikes, he's going to be effective. He's going to be the, the rider Giles we've come to love on the mound this year. And so I think if you can really start off strong, get a strong start from Ryder Giles. I'm not saying he has to go six, seven innings. Just give you give you four, give you five solid innings, fill up the strike zone, and obviously you need, you need the offense to show up right away because, you know, we, we've seen that show up lately a lot, but we also know that when it doesn't, that's typically when ECU gets in trouble. So I think getting off on a strong note, pitching well Friday, hitting well Friday, just a really solid effort out of the gate, set the tone for the weekend. To me, that's that's the biggest key, especially since there's so much uncertainty with the pitching staff right now. Yeah, looking at Memphis, they have, like I said, that, that one Friday night guy. They got a Saturday guy who's got pretty good strikeout numbers but gives up a lot of runs. And I think after that, it's just kind of a crapshoot. Like uh, with everybody, like ECU is not the only team that has pitching problems in college baseball. And you take away a guy like Carson Wisenhunt, and it just kind of magnifies everything because you don't have that guy to go out there Friday and eat up six, seven innings, and then everybody else fall in line. So I agree. You know, Ryder's been getting hit a little bit more lately, part of that due to the fact that he's getting behind in counts. Uh, I also wonder, too, like he's just not used to pitching this much. So does he have some arm fatigue, arm soreness maybe that's kind of causing him to not be as sharp? You know, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Ryder, but that's just a thought I had. So, um We'll see. I think, like you said, they need to at least get four or five, six innings, like a quality start. I mean, you don't need them to go out there and shut them down for six innings, but just go five, give up two or three runs, keep you in the game, and then let your bullpen go to work. So, um, Offensively, they've been hitting the ball well the second half of the season, and I think that's typical of ECU baseball. I mean, when the weather warms up, this team historically mashes the baseball we got to talk about our boy Bryson Worrell. He has just been crushing the ball. We also got to talk about Carter Spivey. I think leading the team in saves after Lee, intern Lee, pre- <laughs> predicted him to lead the team in saves. I laughed at that answer. because Me I, too. I did not expect Carter Spivey to be the team's closer, but he's been the team's best pitcher. Um, so four minutes left on the clock here, Jonathan, as I keep you updated on our <laughs> shot clock. Um what would have been some of the big standouts here lately is the team is clearly playing better, which has put them back in into contention for an at-large. What have, you, what have been your big takeaways? Yeah, I think you mentioned Carter Spivey. You mentioned Bryson Worrell. I think I th- obviously those are huge. But, I mean, to me, I look at just the lineup as a whole, one through nine. I think for the first time really all season, now that we've settled on a catcher, you know, Ben Newton's the everyday catcher. I th- and, and let me just say this, Ben Newton has a crap ton of just bad luck. He has grinded out at bats a lot this year. He's hit the ball very hard. And yeah, he's probably has the worst, worst luck on the team, I would say, this season. And I think now that you've settled into a one through nine lineup, you, you kn- the guys know where they're going to hit. They know they're going to be in the lineup. I love the team. One through nine, I'm comfortable with it. I like, the, I like it a one with Zach Agnos. I like it at nine, whoever's hitting there that day. And really, they've done that when Alec Makarevich has cooled off a little bit. Obviously, he's still capable, of, as we saw last weekend, of blasting a ball at any time. But, you know, he's really cooled off. He's been in that nine hole a lot. But one through nine, the lineup has been a lot more consistent. You still have some questions here and there. But I'm really comfortable as a whole with where the team stands offensively. And I think that's, that's been the key to this little second half resurgence, if you will. 
Yeah, th- there's no doubt. I mean, there was a point, I don't want to say mid-season, but early in the season where the Pirates were hitting like 247 as a team. We had people on the message board saying Cliff Goblin need to resign as hitting coach and hire somebody else as his own hitting coach. And yeah, that's turned out real well. Uh, the Pirates now hitting 275 as a team with uh, almost as many home runs hit as given up, which earlier in the year that was a major, major difference in, in terms of the other way. Pitching staff has also been solid. You know, still not up to the standard we've seen, four five three team ERA, but that's not bad uh, in college baseball. It's just been the inconsistent and the inability to get length, which has been the problem. And, you know, so many of those guys we heard about as starting rotation contenders going into the year, Nick Logish, Josh Groves, obviously Wisenhunt, you know, they just haven't wor- worked out. Spivey and Saylor have both become bullpen guys, and I don't think you want to mess with their rhythm, so to speak, with the way they're pitching, especially Spivey. So it's just been a weird year, man. And somehow this team is on the cusp of a potential third straight conference championship in the regular season, so that's nothing to scoff at. And we've only got a minute and 25 <laughs> seconds left, Jonathan, so I guess we better start saying our goodbyes before uh, we get kicked off. So uh, this has been fun, man. It's been good to get you back on Talk Baseball, and I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't have more time. No, it's okay. Actually, um, in the middle of my last little spiel there, um, the timer came up on my screen. So I'm now watching it tick down. We got a minute and seven seconds. But, you know, it's been fun. It's been this whole season as a whole, I think, has just been it's been up and down. And to me, that was expected. I, I said it coming in the year. I, I, had, I think I had lower expectations in comparison to a lot of people. But, you know, the team, it's grinding its way. I think that's classic EC baseball grinding your way through wins and big couple of weekends. And I'm excited to see how they finish it out. If you win a conference championship in a, in a bad year and a down year, I think every ECU fan will take that. Look at Mississippi state. They are, I think they won what the championship last yeah. year. And now mm-hmm. they yep. are not even going to make a regional unless they get the automatic bid. So yep, it's a crazy sport. And now my thing just says less than a minute. So I don't even know <laughs> when this will cut off. So I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye, Jonathan. Thank you for uh, for joining the Hoisted Colors podcast. It's been fun. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, once we get into postseason, for sure. I'm scared to keep talking. Yeah, we'll get a ra- – oh, it just died. I was going to say we'll get a roundtable for uh, Jonathan Wagner, <laughs> Butner Pirate, Butner Pirate, and uh, maybe a few others to talk about seedings and stuff. But, of course, that is assuming ECU – is going to make the the postseason. All right. Uh, I got to get out of here because Zoom has kicked Jonathan off and my computer is probably going to die. I'm, I'm surprised it didn't explode on its own. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. Uh, hopefully there weren't too many distractions and everything was, was good on you guys' end because I had a lot of stuff going on. Dogs, dogs barking, Zoom timers, dinging, um, which I thought I had turned off, but somehow it was still on. But either way, appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back with you either sometime later this weekend after the Memphis series or early next week. I am scheduled to talk to Mike Schwartz, the new basketball coach on the men's side for the podcast next Tuesday. So if you want to know anything in particular, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter or our site on hoistedcolors.net, and I'll make sure to ask him. But again, appreciate Jonathan's time, and that'll do it for the Hoisted Colors podcast.
You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.